0: Hey fam, welcome back to Kicking It with Chief V. We've got a special guest in the house today, Senior Master Sergeant Joshua Roberts from 28 Mission Squadron out here at Ellsworth Air Force Base, literally slaying it, killing it on the daily inspiring motivating and leading airmen and he is super passionate about this topic we're going to discuss today which is a brief of his and we're going to extrapolate that and break it down peel it back so to speak and get to the heart of the matter and that is compliance versus commitment you're not going to want to miss this go ahead and grab up everybody in the shop in the office in your squadron and dig in and get ready to learn and be motivated and inspired by Joshua Roberts what do y'all say let's get it kicking with a senior Hey, Senior Senior Roberts. Uh, well, as as most everybody at Ellsworth Air Force Base knows, uh, and and soon probably across the Air Force if they don't know you already, uh, the label is a little bit of a legend around these parts. And I know you don't necessarily like that term, but uh, I, I tell you, just come in, It comes from a term of respect, right? Uh, the airmen on this base that have had an opportunity to be led by you, inspired by you, or just you just come in and, and give a, a brief. I should say just, but when you come in and give a briefing, uh, they're they're inspired by the words you have to. To share, and I caught a video the other day: uh, commitment versus or compliance versus commitment. And you are super passionate. I know a lot about you, and but before we get to that, though, why don't you tell the rest of the audience, whoever may be listening to this, uh, who you are, a little bit about yourself, the stuff you're comfortable with telling us. Yes,
1: sir. All right. Uh, Senior Master Sergeant Joshua Roberts. I am currently serving as the production flight chief uh, for 20th Munition Squadron. So basically responsible for building all the bombs uh, that our our bombers would fly. I lead about 272 airmen at the moment. I've been in the Air Force for a little over 18 years. Um, Served a lot of overseas assignments. I did a stint as an MTI. I have a wife, three teenage kids, so kind of in a different phase of life. But um, yeah, I, I... Originally from Tallahassee, Florida, but I've moved all over the all over the world my entire life. So yeah, yes, sir.
0: So you so you're 18 years in. Um, what what inspired you to join the Air Force? What motivated? What did you say? Hey, I want to go be an Airman. So my parents
1: were religious missionaries. I grew up in the country of Mexico and when I was probably about eight years old, my grandmother sent me this book and it was just stories of Medal of Honor winners. Hmm. And I read that book probably a hundred times. literally, the covers fell off. Yeah. Um, and every time when we'd come back to the United States, you'd have to cross over the border in El Paso and you would see this huge American flag. And I remember thinking even then, even though I lived in Mexico, every time I crossed back into the United States, I just, I felt, I felt safe, and yeah. I felt at home. And El is a wild west, I mean, no, no doubt, <laughs> but it was just coming back into the United States that made me feel that way, and so when I graduated high school and, and was in college, um, 9-11 happened. I never really wanted to be anything but military. It just, life kind of took me a different direction initially, and when 9-11 happened... Uh, I spent probably about six months trying to stay in the grind of making money yeah. and I, I eventually told my wife I can't like I have to do this and so it, it's really been my only passion I never wanted to do anything else honestly
0: I'll I tell you it it shows in regard of what I mean by that is, is how passionate you are about what we do and you know it's uh, not everyone that you come across is this passionate. we all have different reasons uh, for why we join and different reasons for why we serve at the level we serve at. Uh, but your your passion is infectious, man. And, Thank you. And so uh, that's that's why the airman on this base and anybody else that hears your voice or knows your story knows a little bit more about you is is so impacted by you. So why are you uh, as passionate as you are about this uh, compliance versus commitment? So talk to me a little bit about that. Walk us through kind of where that started uh, for you and and why you feel it's important to get that message out.
1: It's important to me because I spent I spent a lot of time getting trainees slash airmen to comply. Mm. Um, and then when I got back from basic training, I got back into the, you know, hashtag operational Air Force. I noticed that especially my NCOs were struggling. They they're struggling not with necessarily doing initial feedbacks and things like that, but they are struggling with how to lead, whether they wanted to lead. My airmen seemed uninspired, unmotivated, and, I firmly believe that that starts at the top and, and goes down. So, when leaders are passionate and they know their purpose and they can share that with people, then the people below them will have that as well. But when the NCOs don't know their own purpose mm. uh, and why they're doing what they're doing or whether they want to continue doing what they're doing, then I think that that very quickly begins to show in the discipline and in the morale of their folks. And so, for me, I'm passionate about A because every member that wears this uniform protects my children. Um, So it does me absolutely no good to have a single unmotivated or uninspired airman in the Air Force period. That if if that person is the weakest link, our enemies will find it and exploit it so I I want to avoid that and if I can help people feel a little bit more motivated or inspired or help know their their purpose, um, that's why. I feel like if they can see it in me, then maybe they can look at that upper level of leadership and say it—it it doesn't have to be fake.
0: Yeah. So, so do you think that? Uh, I guess a rough estimation. Your thoughts on when you say it doesn't have to be fake? Do you feel like that's—that's that's a problem that we're we're kind of going through right now? I mean, you know, the the people that listen to this on, on a regular might have some new audience members. Know I, I say it all the time we keep it real. Um, so, I mean, no, not not holding any punches. Do, do we have some fakeness going around? One hundred
1: percent. Yes, sir. All right when you get to the upper levels, I mean, you've been through it yourself, right? You do whatever you gotta do to get a strat. You do whatever you do to get that FD statement. Um, and I think the sincerity rapidly gets replaced with acting so that you can attain that next level of of rank or that pay grade or, or that job that you want. And when you lose the sincerity in leadership, I think you lose your people. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think, I don't think everyone, but I think I think there's a pressure to perform a certain way and if you don't there's the fear that you're gonna you're gonna suffer for in your career and too many people have become um, docile Mm. in their leadership approach and our job is to, to defend this nation at the cost of our own lives perhaps like I don't I don't think there's really room for a passive, docile approach to leadership in the Air Force.
0: You're 100% right. And so, and we're going to get into some of the details. I, I extrapolated some of the stuff that you had in your presentation when you talking to our airmen that I'll go over. But before I do that, you're 100% right. Every one of our airmen, I say it uh, frequently, our nation's sons and daughters. I've got a, a son that's in the United States Air Force right now. He's down at uh, tech training at Lackland Air Force Base as a defender. And I expect him to be led by people like you. You know, somebody that's passionate, somebody that's inspired, that says, Hey, I'm going to hold you to the standard. I'm not going to, I'm not, we're not a coddling corporation, right? Uh, But at the same time, I have, I know what behind the scenes looks like, so I can give you the extra attention as far as the why behind it. Why you need to have commitment versus just following a few rules and just shut up the color kind of thing uh, to make it through, keep your head down, push through and get to the next thing. Uh, And we don't need our airmen, our nation's sons and daughters being led by fake people. Uh, like you said, that facade is going to come off at some point in time. And unfortunately, we see it, humans be humans, in our Air Force at a, whatever rank, whether it's staff or uh, chief master sergeant, that facade cracks sometimes. And you can see uh, the damage that can be done versus the greatness that can be accomplished by people that got at their heart in the right spot. I call those, so I have two different
1: terms. I call that my plastic army men. They looked apart. The yeah. Um, you know, the little green plastic army men that, you know, our generation played with as toys. Yeah,
0: um, but when they face the heat, they melt. Yeah, right. you, do you have that copyrighted? Because I usually go on this thing called Paper Tigers, and people call it my business, my chief friends do. Uh, so, do you have that? I, might, I, might I don't use that. I don't. The, the but I, army my America. other one is—I
1: mean, you call them—you know—Paper Tigers. I call them Zebras. Yeah. You know, lots of stripes. But when a when a lion comes around, they run. And oh, lions okay. lions can be A one C's. I'm talking assertive, motivated people that can lead at any level. And the fake leaders are terrified of them. Mm-hmm. So it's, they just remind of zebras, you know, the line comes around and off they All go. Stripes, Tons of stripes so. in the world, but they, they got to run. They so. disappear. Yes, sir.
0: Is, I, I love those analogies, man. Those are those are good. So let's let's break your brief apart a little bit. Let's walk through that. And like I said, I've got a couple of things pulled out and, and I would just like, uh, I guess the behind the scenes on that and what you're trying to get the airmen to understand, because yes, the brief is is great, uh, and, and I think it even impacts more. So that impacts airmen for sure, 100%. And I think as we pull more of this out, speaking to the hearts of the people that, that really need to grab onto this, our NCOs, our senior NCOs, as they're leading airmen. So when you say uh, the Air Force is a way of life, or is it, I think, is how it's known in the slide, well, what does that mean? Like, What do you want us to understand with that?
1: So I got that out of AFR 1-1. There's literally a chapter, I think it's 1.5, that mm-hmm. literally titled, if the title is A Way of Life, where it goes on to tell that as an airman. We are airmen 24-7. Weekends, holidays, you can be recalled off of leave. You have to live your life under more restrictive rules than other people. Um, and it lays out that you are going to be placed under the confines of a much more rigid um, system that demands excellence. And the last sentence is my favorite because it says those who will not try their best will not be, to meet these high standards will not be retained by the United States Air Force. If you're gonna commit to something like that, that is not something that you come in at seven and leave at four. It is especially at our level now, you're getting text messages after work, you're getting text messages, you're having to explain the actions of other people, grown men and women, and ultimately, you know, that responsibility stays with you. You know, as leaders, we delegate responsibility, or authority, but we always maintain responsibility. Yeah. And if if we're gonna encourage our nation's sons and daughters, to take a, an oath that says they're going to obey the orders of the president of the United States and the officers appointed over them, then they need to understand exactly what that means. And that can include working 12 hour shifts. That can include not having weekends. That can include being deployed away from your family. And if it's just a job, I find it hard to believe that you're going to be able to commit yourself to the core values, especially excellence in all you do, because it, when, it, when the fire hits,
0: you're, you're gonna to want to leave. Yeah. Um, so where do you think the breakdown is on that? Because you know, I shared with you that uh, my son just went through basic training. Now, he did say, my dad, I don't know how some people are in the Air Force, Yes, sir. right? I mean, this is a young man, he's, he's just turned 20 years old. He grew up in the Air Force, and it's like my friend, uh, one of my friends would say, he's inside the wire. You know, so he gets a, a close look at it. And uh, so he does have maybe some more intuition, I guess, about it than maybe some others that haven't been, but uh, you know, grew up with now a Chief Master Sergeant and his dad. Uh, but he's like so yeah some people don't belong but he is fired up man like he is ready to take on the world right and so something he said the other day that gets to this what you're talking about our air force is a way of our air force is a way of life him and his mom were on facetime they were chit-chatting you know and he was uh, getting his blues ready and they had a blues inspection uh yesterday or maybe two days ago now and he's like uh, uh my wife her name is amy she said why are you doing that And he's like it's the air force This the air force way this is the things we do and so I've got, you know, I don't know if you've seen The Mandalorian or not, but this is the way, this is the way. right? This is the way. And and so he's, you know, measuring his, his ribbons and stuff, making sure things lined up because he knows that we can't accept anything mm-hmm. crooked on purpose. And uh, so anyway, I just, in his mind, you know, like, yeah, this is what we do. It is a way of life. Yeah, I'm in my free time. I'm adjusting my uniform because I want to look the best I can. Um where do you think it starts kind of falling off the rails? Because he's in tech school right now. Where, in your experience, where does it kind of where does it start messing up at? Where people forget that Air Force is a way of life. The recalls, like you talked about, are working a twelve-hour shift. Where does it kind of go awry?
1: I've thought about that a lot, um, because it's a problem that I want to tackle. You know, I was in my own AOR, and really, chief, I think it, it all comes down to they get done with basic, they get done with tech school, they get to the first base they don't know what to expect Mm. and before you know it it becomes a system of just showing up to work and they don't understand what their purpose is within within that system so yes you're an age troop you're an ammo troop but you're not just a munitions troop you're not just building bombs you are literally enabling combat air power for this wing commander and nobody else on this base can do that can do what you're doing right and so i think it's just it's real easy to get caught up in, in the feedbacks and the EPRs and the day-to-day, but I think that breakdown happens when people lose sight of how valuable they are, not only as people, you know, looking past the, the Air Force name tape and seeing the other one, yeah. um, but also how valuable they are as airmen. Because let's say during a generation, I sit in a white truck of the radio and I relay information that's going to get relayed anyways. My airmen and staff sergeants are the bomb pad building boss. Mm-hmm. Like they are more important than me. Yeah. Any day. But they don't know that. So you have to tell them that. I have to tell them that. And I, I don't know that we as senior leaders are communicating to them enough just how important in that machine they are. right? COVID. If I have one airman that disobeys the rules, gets COVID, he can knock out an entire section. And mm-hmm. it's just—it's not just 28th Munition Squadron that loses trailer maintenance section. The wing literally loses their only trailer maintenance yeah. section because of the actions of one airman. Yeah. Um, and helping them understand like your value and and just your importance in it, without giving lip service and doing the whole "we are all important." People are the Air Force's most you know dangerous weapon. Blah blah blah. No, but helping the airmen see you as Airman Vaden or you as Airman Roberts, your skill set is not anywhere else. It's only here, and we need it.
0: Yeah. So, does that make sense? No, hundred percent. So you know that that's where I think my experience, what I've seen, is this where we struggle. So uh, I'll take us back. When I was a master running the shop. I, I use this thing, and it's similar to what you just said. I was like, we're human weapon systems. And I had had some special operations type deployments and stuff. Never been in SOCOM, but I was attached to those units, building bases and things, and stuff we can't discuss on this line. But So I would had that mentality of not a door kicker, but I was hanging around them. So I had that, you know your brother or sister right next to you at a, a lot deeper level than maybe the holistic Air Force, if you will. And I really, that's where I grew up. Saw us as a fighting force, right? We we sometimes fall asleep at the wheel at the at the NCO and senior NCO level, like you're talking about of being able to say you're a human weapon system, and let me show you how this applies. Because you know, put yourself in my position as a group chief or even as a command chief. We come down, come down, high five people, tell you you're important, but it's the use, the seniors, the chiefs in that squadron, the seniors in that squadron, that squadron leadership team, and down that really makes that a reality for those airmen. Um, so I know you talked also about uh, the different uh, you know, rules and things that we have in the Air Force are different in civilian life. Coupling that with what you're saying here, is that something that our first-line supervisors, our section chiefs, our senior NCOs that can correct, or not necessarily correct, but help them understand, hey, a way of life, you're very vitally important to the mission, helping them connect the dots. Do so you think that eases the Maybe the struggle that some of our airmen might have with like, hey, the Air Force is different with UCMJ is different than civilian you know federal law or civilian law even, right? So is you know, I know you talk about that in your in your presentation. How does that kind of how do you tie those together with saying, hey, this is how we can help our airmen overcome that, that barrier if it is a barrier for them?
1: I think it's important to, to point out that, you know, at a basic level, where there's a low threat environment, you know, simple compliance with the rules, that works but when you know the proverbial whatever hits the fan yeah. um the airmen need to understand what's going to be expected of them and i think that is that's done on a continual airmanship teaching basis so I, what i've noticed since i've been back and i've been guilty of it myself is you go through basic training you get taught airmanship you go through tech school you get taught airmanship and then you get to your first base and what do you get taught your job Yep you get taught your job on the job training. And we stopped teaching airmanship. So I took over a section when I got here, 95% of the people in that section had never heard of AFI 1-1. Mm. So we just started on Fridays. I told the, the supervisors Friday mornings from say 7.30 to 8.30, they belong to me. And we just brought the whole shop in kind of like the old fireside chat. Yep. And I would read a paragraph from 1-1 and then we would discuss it. You know what do you do if you're in uniform and you're at your kid's school and they start reciting the pledge of allegiance are you as a uniform member allowed to recite the pledge of allegiance yeah most people don't know yeah um how do you address a retired chief master sergeant what is his proper term of address these little things that that begin i think the more they know about what it is they're supposed to be the more they want to be it and i also think a, a strategy that worked for me was in the same way special forces takes pride in the fact that only we do this Help them take pride in the fact that yes, we have placed ourselves under a more restrictive um, yep. set of rules, and because of that, we are special. Yeah. Not don't make it a bad thing. Like, well, you can't grow your hair out. Make it more like that haircut sets you apart from everyone else, and immediately, nobody else in the world gets recognized by their haircut. Yep. But somebody sees that haircut, they know exactly what you do. Yeah. And and it, turn it into a pride thing. It's no, a, a different that. approach, maybe. No,
0: I love that. So there's there's a fine balance, you know, for for more of our senior uh, NCOs, the senior level leadership, it's a balance between groupthink and, and pride, right? You don't want to be so locked in that as, as senior leaders we can't adapt to do other things right? with our airmen. Uh, you know, maybe as we go forward as multi-domain or cross-functional type airmen, right? But I love the fact of being having pride. And I love, well, that's, that is great advice. So I'm gonna go back and touch on that because any of the NCOs or senior NCOs, anybody in the leadership, quote unquote, leadership position, if you've been entrusted to lead and inspire people, need to hear that again of of an hour just an hour or some time set aside where you pull the airmen together pull your team together and just read them like uh, a 1-1 so master mark anderson was my first sergeant when i almost got kicked out of the air force and tech school and so he used to read me thirty six twenty six eighteen when I was an afi uh before as an air force handbook and i'd have to clean the grout on the on the bricks at the at the cq building because i was i messed up a lot of stuff and he would read me thirty six twenty six eighteen. I know it sounds kind of cheesy to some people, but man, that really stuck with me. So when I was a chance to run a shop and lead a shop, uh, we would have them do that, similar to what you would do. I would tell them, hey, pick your, out of this list of AFIs, pick an AFI, pick a chapter, pick a, you know, a paragraph, whatever, give us a three to five on it. So we'd do multiple things. And I come from the heavy equipment operations uh, side of CE, so dirt boys, as they call us. We're, we don't pride ourselves on public speaking and, and knowing AFIs, we're probably quite the opposite of that but that made an impact in their lives. So I want our supervisors to listen now to take your words, uh, some recent experience of how you started shifting the culture within an organization uh, and by you know, instilling some pride and instilling the rules, because you're right, when people know what's expected out of them, they want to go and meet those standards and exceed them. Now, not everybody, right? We were talking about this earlier before we came on. Uh, haters gonna hate, there, you know, there'll be spear chuckers out there everywhere you know, trying to knock you off of whatever you're trying to get accomplished. Um, but yeah, so there, there's always going to have those people, those people out there. But what I also wanted to talk to you about was walk me through your thoughts on compliance. Uh, you, you talked about the has uh, to versus the wants, right? Um, so when you talk about compliance, I think all this is kind of closely related, right? But didn't want to bypass that because that was one of the main points you made with our airmen when we talk about you know the compliance and your thoughts on what that compliance is uh, versus a commitment. As we start to unravel that a little bit more, walk us through what. You see, as commitment and that transition and then, uh, or I'm sorry, compliance and transition into commitment.
1: All right, so compliance obviously, you know, we use basic training as the first step in getting somebody to comply with rules. And at that level, you know, an airman, say, at E1 through an E3, if you read the enlisted force structure, they are supposed to be learning, supposed to be adapting to military lifestyle, but there's a dramatic change in the enlisted force structure to an E4. Mm -hmm. For an E4, it specifically says you are supposed to be a highly qualified trainer. Mm-hmm. right so if an a1c is still learning and then a e, you know a senior airman is supposed to be a trainer that means somewhere in that group and a lot of airmen that's going to be about the three four-year mark when they're having to co- decide do they want to re-enlist or not yeah. their entire experience to that point has just been do this you don't necessarily need to know why just comply i think that transition starts to happen when you have to legitimately think about what your experience has been and then what you've seen and decide for yourself is this what i really want to do you may have had a deployment at that point where you've spent six months to a year away from your kids or away from your spouse or or missed weddings or missed various other life experiences with your family and i just i don't think it's taught enough that if you transition to becoming an nco and you are just compliant, Mm. I can replace you right now with an A1C. Because anybody can read regs, anybody can read TOs, anybody can read black and white. An A1C, some A1Cs that we have in the Air Force now are 39 years old for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not necessarily even a matter of maturity, it's a matter of commitment Mm -hmm. level. You can have a 20, your 20 year old son can be as committed or more than some of the technical sergeants I've seen. But it's about making that transition of this what I really want. Knowing though what it is that you are committing to, yeah. if you don't know, you have no business committing to it. You're um, right. So marriage, for instance, you know, you go into a marriage, you think you know, right, <laughs> and then you you make that commitment, um, and now you're stuck with it. So uh, that's something that I keep trying to bring out is when you re-enlist, you transition from first term airman to career airman, yeah, and now you're stuck with it. And if you think it's going to get easier, you are wrong. Becoming a Staff Sergeant is not easy. Um, Becoming a Master Sergeant is not easy. There's, There's different levels of leadership. My message for anybody listening is, A, have we done enough to explain what it is that they're committing to? And then B, have we given them a reason to want to commit to it? Yeah. If it's just, you're treating your senior airmen like an A1C, mm. then you're doing them a severe injustice because you are not entrusting them to pre- and preparing them for the next grade. Those are staff sergeants in waiting. Yep. And if you're treating your E4s like you are treating your E3s, then you don't know your enlisted force structure very well.
0: No, that's, a, that's 100% right. You touch on something that I, I want to go back to. Uh, when you talk about a commitment and missing <clears throat> birthdays, anniversaries, you name it, yes, right? Sir. If you've been in uh, longer than probably two years, you've missed, you, even you've, you've been in the Air Force, you've missed something. Um, and when you talk about helping our airmen understand what they're actually committing to, that's a very important topic. So we, we won't put too much on blast, but you, you might have heard me ask a few questions to some NCOs the other day that could have been there, just didn't want to answer the chief in front of everybody, they didn't want to be the quote-unquote know-it-all or whatever. They struggled to answer some very basic questions that I was asking them, right? Um, so for the audience, you know, I was teaching a course to our NCOs, uh, and, and all I was talking about was, I shouldn't say all I was talking about, but I was talking about our service identity. Um, and and so you know, and asking questions about Air Force priorities, what are our key qu- our capabilities and things of that nature, right? So, am I am I in your case am I uh, committing to ammo or am I committing to a bigger Air Force? What are we responsible for? To support and defend the Constitution of the United States, right? Not not your interpretation or version of that, but what's the what are the actual words on that? So you're right. So how do what would be your advice? to people listening to how we educate our airmen on what they are committing to. What would be some of the, I guess, your top five on like what we would share with our airmen, uh, you know, to say, hey, this is what you're actually committing to. This is what you're getting yourself into as a re-enlistment. Are you really in or are you out? Number one,
1: I think it's exactly what I talked about before. I think it takes the senior NCOs of a section, don't delegate that to an NCO. Get your butt in front of your airmen and show them that, A, you know what you're talking about. So bring out 1-1, right? Be that visible leader and start going through those basic standards that we have. I mean, that is literally the name of 1-1. It's our standards. Uh, I think everyone should know what the enlisted force structure says about their current pay grade and about the one that they hope to assume because you should be preparing yourself at all times for that. Um, Number three... (laughs) i guess my thing is physical fitness Hmm. um and and it's not i guess we talk about the the pillars and and all that i think physical is important because if you're not physically you're not physically fit it's hard to be emotionally available i think um when you're struggling with your health and you're struggling with all of that i think it affects your psyche i think it affects your motivation i think it affects your everything um those would be my my top three that we help them understand and understand why it's important. It is not important that you be able to do push-ups and sit-ups. That is not important. But what is important is if you are in a convoy and you are in Iraq and your wingman takes a round that you are able to grab that person by a flak vest and drag him to safety. Or if you are working on the flight line in the heat with very little water that your body can withstand and you're still able to do your job. Or if you're in a medic tent and they're bringing in soldiers and marines that have severe cap, uh, uh, wounds, that you're able to continue to perform in the midst of stress, because stress takes a high toll. Yeah. And what we're asking these young Americans to do is exactly that, you know? And, and our Air Force has changed. We're an expeditionary force. We can be yeah. used in joint situations, working side by side. I, I have a lot of airmen that are friends of mine that are medics, surgery techs, etc., that have had some harrowing experiences in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe bringing it full circle, like helping them understand it's not about how fast you can run. It's about you being in a place, and this is just a standard, this is the way to gauge your fitness, but it's about helping them understand, like, it's not, it's not about whether you can do push-ups, it's about whether you are going to be able to perform your job when the going gets tough physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, so that you can continue to do that, which you've made a pledge to do.
0: Yeah. Now, I love the, the aspect on uh, fitness, you know, and I was, I'm glad to hear you talk about, hey, there, there might be the convoy piece of it. Uh, some of us have been exposed to some of those types of things, right? And then, and then the, some of our airmen, when you're talking to them, uh, I would say largely in the Air Force, the majority of our airmen aren't going to be in that particular type of scenario or situation, at least not up until this point. In the future, uh, we have some peer enemies out there that can do a lot of things. We mm-hmm. might not be running convoys in Country X. Uh, but the carnage and the situations that might be occurring based on the amount of firepower they can put on one of our bases, you might be doing similar types of things, but it's hard for our airmen to visualize that. So that's why when I was as a squadron superintendent, I would talk about the NDS and the NSS, the National Security Strategy, National Defense Strategy, and not to get too much into the weeds with our airmen, but to help them understand, hey, this is what we're actually here to do as an Air Force. Uh, but anyway, I'm glad to hear you bring it back to something that they can relate to of working on the flight line. I'll use my career field as an example. Yeah, you know, most of us said that uh, the ones that could ace the PT test, the way the Air Force Current PT test is set up, um, weren't necessarily that good at swinging a sledgehammer because you didn't have enough muscle mass, right? Um, So anyway, even in your job, but you're assigned AFSC, you're awarded AFSC, that primary duty of yours, fitness is important. I love how you talk about, man, and and I think no matter what fitness level you're at, because we're all at different fitness levels, I can't lift near as much as you lift in the gym. You, like, pick up the whole end of the gym. Um, But, you know, I'm struggling to get the bar off the rack. but. Everybody's at a different level, but being confident, I think it boosts your confidence to do all these other things. And and what I'm saying is whether you can do 100 push-ups or 50 or 25, whatever it is, if you're working when you're finished, you're confident, it helps you with the, the uh, I guess, the emotional or the psychological aspects. I'm battling an injury right now, and I can tell you 100% right, I can't run right now. And I feel myself getting snippy. You know what I mean? It's like when people say when you're hangry, when you're hungry and you're angry. I feel that way when I can't run. I don't know a good term for it, but anyway, that's, that's where I feel. And so... I would like, uh, as we move forward, uh, unless you got more thoughts on that particular topic, is I'm going to use Pat Riley, a quote from Pat Riley. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's uh, fluid enough in your head that you remember exactly uh, what Pat Riley says. But uh, are you, are you a Pat Riley fan, and, and why does that quote stick out to you?
1: So for those that don't know Pat Riley, Pat Riley won, you know, five championships. He actually coached the Lakers during, you know, probably their most prolific time uh, as a team. He's won championships as a player, as a coach, as an executive, and as a GM, um, including with the Miami Heat. Um, so the guy knows how to win. Yeah. He knows he knows what it means to win on all levels, though. He knows how to win as a player, and he also knows what it feels like to win as a manager. Um, and his quote was essentially, when it comes to commitment, there is no in or out. Hmm. There's, or I'm sorry, there's no in-between. You're either in or you're out. And when I think of a basketball court, you're either... On the court or you're not right mm-hmm. and i think about that in in terms of the air force well we're we're not pulling punches right no no okay. we'll put, so the, what's least, the least effective ncos and senior ncos especially senior ncos that i've ever met had one foot out the door mm. constantly talking about retirement and talking very very little about their airman
0: yeah
1: that shows where your priorities are you cannot, you cannot win if you are not committed to winning. And you know, I have individuals in my organization right now that are getting ready to retire and I, I have begged them because they're senior NCOs, do not quit on me until the moment you walk out that door yeah. and it coming back to, you know, the re-enlistment part, if these airmen are struggling with that decision, they're probably not going to be giving you a hundred percent. You have the rare, you know, the unicorns that will, yeah. but. I just, I think of that like, you know, an NBA player with one foot standing off the court, one <laughs> on, that's a foul. Yeah. You know, you can't do that. You will be penalized yeah. for stepping on the court if you're not supposed to be. Our airmen have to be asked that question. like, Are you in or are you out? And there is no in-between. And if you are in-between, you are going to be that person that cannot be counted on when the going gets tough because you're not even sure what you're committed yeah. to. Um, so I am a Pat Riley fan in the sense, I the, the man's a winner um, and he knows how to win. And in what we're doing, Chief, we have no option but to win. You're 100% right. So I wanna take advice from winners um, right. in, in any domain, but I think I think maybe that's one of those areas that we, we struggle in is to really, not educate, maybe highlight our airmen how critical this game that we're playing is. Yeah. If we lose everything changes and I I desperately need my airmen at least every time they go to build a practice bomb to understand you are practicing for the Super Bowl because when it hits we're going to be doing it for days. Yeah. Um, so every opportunity we have to practice you gotta practice. And you go at that practice bomb, just like you're going at a real bomb, because I will not send our pilots out to face what they're going to face out there with these near peer adversaries. And I will not look their families in the eye and say that we gave your husband or your wife a 50% effort, 50% effort on the bombs that we built. Because at the end of the day, sir, if we lose them, I at least want to be able to look at and know that when that pilot hit launch it worked yeah you know what i mean like i i I owe that to them like we owe that to them every time um and that is the message i'm trying to get to my airmen is based on the casualty rates that they are expecting our pilots to sustain when they go against an enemy that has hypersonic weapons and more technology than we do in some arenas at the very minimum before that pilot goes down i want him to be able to hit a button and his family know that it was for something not a dud Yep. Right? And that can be applied to, to our security forces, airmen standing at a gate, or our dirt boys who are building facilities, or our medics who are injecting, um, making sure equipment is sterilized and not getting staff infections. Like it, it can literally apply to every AFSC. We owe it to one another and to our families to make sure that we are in. And if, if you can't know that your people are in, I don't know that you can fully trust the effort.
0: Yeah you're you're absolutely right so when we when we talk about so we, hopefully everybody listening got their steel toe boots on if it, this is the category um if not then i guess you'll learn after this but so when you talk about uh pat riley i, I love i love basketball um basketball has been the vein, vein of all my injuries almost but um i'm not any good at it but i love the sport it's not even a contact sport <laughs> yeah well it's contact when you hit the floor <laughs> no doubt no, no. <laughs> so anyway uh but yeah so i love i love his analogy there and, and the way you put it about being in and out we have and I've called them for years and, and I'm not the only one that says it, but Road retired on active duty. That to me, in my experience, what I've seen is causes the most damage to our brand new airmen. Because our brand new airman, uh, up like you even said, as a senior airman, if that leadership chain has the passion and understand the understanding of what we're doing and how important and instills that and inspires those young airmen they're they'll go to hell and back with you right um, because they trust you they know what you've you've been down the road you know what you're talking about and they respect you right so what i used to tell and i got taken to the ig quite a few times at my first gig as a squadron superintendent until the ig just started warning people that that was going to happen and it was also perfectly <laughs> illegal to say this kind of thing so you know sometimes on stateside bases you don't see it overseas much overseas you got I would say a higher percentage of high octane leadership and high octane, everybody's bought in. Some of that has to do with the briefings that we share with them. So I encourage people every chance to get to show the classified briefings. that shows the reality mm-hmm. of what things could be. But also when you're overseas, you're, most people aren't ready to retire. They're still rocking and rolling. So we see this a lot at our CONUS bases. And I would tell the master, that was my, my number one hit as a chief. I'm trying to mentor and grow those masters, or seniors to replace me. And I would tell them, look, your road, I get it. You might have a bad day, maybe even a bad week. Take some leave. You know, go take a knee. But I need you in the game like you're saying. And guess what? If you can't do that, you can retire as a technical sergeant. I don't have the authority to do that, but I can advise the commander that we need to take action. Because you are not going to be you know, leading or supposed to be leading our nation's sons and daughters. Maybe my son, now my son. And you're not all in and you're going to get somebody killed. Or not prepared enough to get the mission done. Uh, so now I commend you on that, man, of showing them that and, and, and putting that in their hearts and their minds to understand the importance of what we're getting after. And you take a day off, people die. Could be that, right? Not every day, every day here at Ellsworth. But to your point, if we don't have the NCOs and the senior NCOs that have that mindset, that you you're gonna play like you train, you can't be sitting back and be like, "Well, we tried our best." No, you got to be your best. You got to do your best. So, thank you for your leadership, and, and just and and your tree that you're building, your coaching tree that you're building. I know you're going to talk about this when we talk about what you want your legacy to be. And so, I appreciate you coming on. We're not done. We'll wrap it up here in a little bit, but. Any final thoughts on compliance versus commitment before we go and just kind of end it on more of a personal note of, of how you kind of want to, what you want your legacy to be, but any kind of final thoughts that you might have that you want to share that maybe I accidentally glossed over or breezed over or just something that's come to mind now? Uh, you know, the, the subject of road
1: is, is extremely irritating to me, mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell you why. So I, I taught an ALS class the other day, and I recited, you know, our oath of enlistment, which I, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll do. Oh, so absolutely. I, you know, state your full name, do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign domestic, as long as I get my B.O.P.
0: Hmm. Right? Hmm. Oh, um, no, no. To obey no. the orders of the
1: President of the United States as long as it's convenient for me. Hmm. Right. That's not what it says. No. There were terms of enlistment for a reason. This was never intended to be a career for everyone. Yeah. Because it's hard. Yeah. It's freaking hard. It is hard to say goodbye and have your child screaming for you to come back in an airport. That is difficult. I've experienced it. You know, everyone around me was in tears. I was in tears. My daughter didn't understand why I was leaving. And the reality was I was going to Korea at a time that it was kind of volatile and I just did. I didn't know. Um, If you make a promise, do it. Mm -hmm. And you made a promise. You made a promise and even more than just your oath of enlistment, when you take the NCO and you become an NCO and you have someone stand in front of you and say you are charged with this, you are charged with this, you are charged with this and this and this and this and this, do you accept these charges? If you don't have the guts to do it, then say "nah." But you don't. Everyone wants to pay, yeah. right? Everyone wants to be a gangster until it's time to gangst, right? Like. Yeah. <laughs> just i'm 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 passionately tired of watching people commit to something and then decide that it's it's not worth the time anymore right my my last quote when i teach that class is commitment is honoring the promise you made even when the mood that you made it in has passed
0: Mm.
1: when you get married you know you make that commitment to your spouse You do so usually in a state of, we'll say, euphoria. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then two years later, the reality hits. That person's not perfect. Life hits you in the face. You may be in debt. You may have experienced miscarriages. You may have all these things happen. So what, now now you're going to leave? Yesterday, I brought up the same thing. You make your pledge, and then six months later, your wife's diagnosed with a tumor. So what, peace out, fam? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Every person in the world would say, you're a douchebag if you did that. But it's somehow okay for our NCOs and senior NCOs to lead poorly, simply because they've got a boat and a freaking house waiting for them. I'm, I'm sorry, but you're a douche. Yeah. I, I just... Our Air Force is filled with it, Chief. Filled with it, and you and I both know exactly who I'm talking about.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm with you. Get out. Get out. Like get, Tell your commander, I don't want to be a, a Master Sergeant. Make me the facilities guy. Because I have one of those, you know what I mean? If you can't lead and you won't lead, then I have technical sergeants ready to step into your role right now. Um, And everything that I'm saying comes back at me at 100%. There are days I wake up and I don't want to do this. Um, Actually, before I came to Ellsworth, I I was an MTI, moved from there to Tyndall Air Force Base. I made a, we'll say a mistake when I was an MTI and I paid for it um, with a markdown on my EPR. I Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to hurt, right? Got to Tyndall, Hurricane Michael hit. My family, we lost literally everything. We had one box of stuff pretty much left. Mm -hmm. Um, Got sent up here and I told the command chief straight up, like, I'm done. If I could retire today, I would. And she challenged me to give it some time, you know, and try and come back. And, And I have. Um, I think, you know, my passion and motivation waver just like everyone else's. But at the end of the day, like, what was that last sentence that I said in a way of life? Those who will not try their best to meet these high standards will not be retained by the United States Air Force. It does not say if you are not the best. It says if you don't try your best. Maybe your best isn't 85 because you can't run fast. But you're out there giving every last measure of effort. I will take you 100 times, more than I will take someone that gets a hundred and doesn't even have to care.
0: Yeah.
1: it's about the effort and it's it's about the transparency as leaders to be able to tell me coming to you and say, Chief, I'm struggling hard. You know, and you having us having that relationship and your your NCO should have that comfort level coming to you. It's just just try. Yeah. Just just try. You know, just try and then ask yourself, are you in or are you out? That's,
0: No, that's that's great advice, man. I I tell you, so um, I really appreciate you coming onto this podcast, if you will, but just really more just having a conversation. Um, You know, we talked a little bit before uh, we kicked the show off. Um, I know why you do the things you do, right? It's because it's what's in your heart and you care. Uh, There might be people that have uh, 5,000 different things to say, but guess what? They're they're saying them from the comfort of their slippers, as I would say, and they don't have their boots laced up. Um, So I appreciate the type of leader that you are. Uh, I know when I when I, I saw you, when you, the story you just described, I saw you shortly after that uh, on base here. And, uh, you know, you're you're 100% transparent, and I appreciate your authentic, authenticity uh, because we all struggle. There are times as a chief mass sergeant, I'm like, all right, how, how the decisions I'm making, do they line up with my why? Why I exist on this earth? Um, so I think it's okay for people to understand that. Well, I know it's okay for people to understand Like every day is not 100%. Sometimes and you gotta be comfortable coming up to, to you and, and and it shouldn't be rank necessarily rank uh bound, right? There's times that you've motivated and inspired me. You said something the other day that I caught myself that I've done before as a chief, not thinking about how it was coming out of my mouth. Um and, and so you weren't even talking to me, you were talking to somebody else, and I was just listening to you and I was like, Oh, check. Let me put that in my little writing reading <laughs> book because I think I've done that before. Um, so just being open, right? So no matter what rank you are, what grade you are, being open. And like you said, try. Man, I, I really appreciate, uh, again, you coming on and sharing your heart with us. And as we wrap this up, man, I'd like to ask I'll ask everybody that's ever since down kind of talked to me uh, kind of what, what you want your legacy to be. You know, what when, when Joshua Roberts uh, walks away uh, from the Air Force or from life, whatever, whatever it is, I say we live in our dash, you know. Uh, And we better make the most of it. Um, What do you want? What do you want people to to know? What do you want that legacy to be, man? Well,
1: you brought it up earlier. Uh, I'm a huge NFL fan. I love football. Um, And there's certain coaches that have had an impact on the NFL and it's not necessarily because of the teams that they led that won. It's because of the coaching staff that have gone out to coach other teams and those coaches won and then their coaches. It's that coaching tree, Um, you know, whether it's the The Bill Walsh's or the Andy Reid's or the Bill Belichick's, Sean McVay even now has the same thing in NFL. Like, people are hiring his assistants because they're associated with him. Hmm. I want my legacy in the Air Force to be A, uh, he cared. That's the most, if you had, you know, if I were to pass away and, and you had to tell, or an airman had to tell my son something about me, I think the thing I would most want said is, He cared, and so he did something. Like I don't know how effective I am, but I'm trying. Like I'm not good at anything. Like the only thing I'm good at really is playing Madden. Um, (laughs) But I disagree. I give you your moment. but But that uh, I try, you know, and I've failed in every aspect of my life. Literally every aspect. I failed as a father, as a husband as an airman, as an NCO, as a senior NCO, I failed as an MTI. And there's the opportunity for you to give up, Hmm. right? And I, I want my legacy to be he tried and I would like when I retire, I would like the room to be filled with people maybe that I didn't directly speak to, but could say my staff sergeant was the greatest supervisor and he always talked about it. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, I, it's not necessarily about me talking to people as much as it's, I hope that something I said makes a supervisor better and changes just that that one course for him. And then the airmen that he leads becomes supervisors and it starts this whole thing, yeah. you know, and it, that becomes the norm yeah. and it's because I took the time to try and, and made an impact on somebody and that became the norm.
0: That's awesome, man. I, I would say you're already building that legacy. That legacy, is, you're basically just going to be refining it uh, from now to the to the end of your life. We hope that's no time soon, right? I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Um, but no, man, you you've definitely made a, an impact. Like I said, on me, uh, right? Just just seeing you uh, live out your why, why, what you want your legacy to be. Um, so thanks for again for sharing. I'll give you the last word, man. Anything else you want to share? And and seriously, I like you have the last word. I won't even open my mouth again.
1: I think. For me, the, the commitment versus compliance thing loses its its power if you fail to remember that serving our country is a privilege. It's not a right. I view leading the men and women at the 20th munition Squadron to be the greatest honor of my life. I loved being an MTI. I did. I loved being an MTI. Um, mostly because you could see the transformation. It's something that you directly impacted, but To have Americans entrust their sons and daughters to us and then to have these airmen to have the opportunity and the privilege to lead. Like if you're a supervisor listening to this or you're a chief listening to this, I don't care. You are put in a position of privilege to lead another human being. And some of you are entrusted with hundreds. And some of us get that rank just because of time and grade time and service or because we lied on epr bullets um, it doesn't mean you're good at it mm. and i guess my last word would be no matter what position you're in don't forget this is a privilege that we can lose at any time and do it well like chief well you know what i mean or or staff sergeant well mm. nco well supervised well because god knows our young NCOs are being entrusted with a lot. We're expecting them to be good writers, good leaders, good speakers, good at their job, good at this, good at this, good at this, and most of them have never actually been taught. Mm. We're just assuming, oh, well now you're your staff sergeant. It's on us as the senior enlisted leaders to raise up that next generation and actually help them know what it is that they're expected to do, but couple that with, and this is how you do it. Mm. Right? There's a lot of, this is what the expectation is, but not a lot of, and this is how you make that happen—the the follow-up part. So, I, I'm very grateful, sir, for you allowing me to come in and share my heart a little bit. Um, it's always an honor anytime you get to talk about leadership. Period. Um, but I don't know who the audience is. I just—I hope maybe something I said was impactful.
0: Guarantee you that, Chief V. Out.